0: two, three. Welcome to the smartest Amazon seller podcast. Today, we've got a subject where I have to start off by saying that I am not a lawyer and do not take everything that I say as legal advice. Any good conversation should start with that. So you know that we're off to a good start. Um, Today, I've actually brought uh, for the first time ever, uh, someone that works at buy boxer and I have Megan with me and she is our, uh, compliance manager. And, um, for us, it's actually a super meaningful role that, uh, when we first introduced this role, I, it was, it was honestly the best thing that's happened to my, you know, m- my whole career here at buy boxer. So Megan, welcome. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the last thing she knew knew when she were signing up to work with Buy Boxer that she was going to be on a podcast, so.
1: Never thought I would be. <laughs>
0: um, apologies for the uh, dynamic uh, shift in responsibilities. Okay, so now here's a real question. Megan, have you ever listened to an episode of the podcast?
1: I've listened to a few. All right.
0: <laughs> I, it's so funny when I have employees that have worked here for a while and like, they're the tar- sometimes they're the target of the podcast, and they say that they haven't. And I, um, I just like laugh and, and shake my head because because well they just don't get enough of listening to me throughout the day. I don't know why they don't want to listen to more. Um, so we're going to talk about compl- compliance with Amazon policies, specifically rights owner violations, the things that uh, can put your account in bad health. And um, this could be the most valuable podcast that we ever put together because I really think that uh, being proactive here can uh, stop businesses from going down for a day, a week, or longer. Um, Megan, how, long a day, uh, how many hours a day do you spend on what you would say is keeping the Buy Boxer account um, healthy on Amazon so that we can continue to sell?
1: Um, well, I'm always trying to look for ways that I can you know, either reducing our uh, restricted listings or trying to clean up any inactive listings so they don't get hit with IP complaints. Um, But actually focusing on the account health page is probably at least three to four hours a day.
0: Um, Uh Uh-huh. So we do both um, proactive uh, work and reactive work. Proactive being, you know, we... We really do look at the list of like restricted products, and you know, start to blacklist terms, uh, delete listings, and um, if a brand comes to us before they've come gone, uh, gone to Amazon, we um, interact with them directly. That was actually a benefit. So we we used to sell under a different name, and people really couldn't find out who we were. Our seller name with it before was the BT Group. It was a very bland uh, seller name, and it was great because you know people couldn't find us but once we changed our name to buy boxer and had a website with buy boxer, uh, people could get a hold of us and hopefully it's actually stopped us from receiving a few, um, uh, complaints through Amazon cause they're able to just to come to us direct. And I mean, we sell on over a thousand brands. It's fine if like, you know, five, 10, 20 of them have a problem with us selling on Amazon. We will work with them and, 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 um, talk through resolutions and you, we usually ask, you know, a few things. One, we're happy to like, we want to be an authorized seller that rarely works, mm-hmm. but, um, we do ask, we, we will comply with anything that they ask, but we usually, if we have FBA inventory, we say, well, give us a, can you give us a month to sell through? Um, how successful is being the nice guy?
1: Um, I always try to be nice first. Um, if I try and, play the nice card. I do get some results. Sometimes there, I mean, there are some people that they just really, they just want us off and they're not very willing to, uh, you know, find that compromise or an agreement in the middle. And so, uh, there are times that, you know, I have to.
0: Now, if, them. if, a, if a complaint comes to you through just like directly in an email versus like a, uh, an, a notification through Amazon, do you treat those differently?
1: Um, I do. The ones that I receive versus an email or a phone call even, um, those I'm much more happy to work on. Um, it, we're a little easier to find a, a solution. And even the this uh, brand owners that are contacting us are much more willing to uh, work with us and uh, reach an agreement and... Uh, yeah. Right.
0: So um well w- the main thing of this podcast episode is we've actually prepared a document um which speaks to a lot of the uh types of issues, the legal issues that we get hit with and I'll be throwing this in the show notes. Um if you, you know, chances are that you're going to get hit with one of these at, uh, at any point, there's probably you know, five to 10, um, ways that a brand can come at you and, um, you know, th- uh, through some sort of either legitimate or even illegitimate ways of uh, trying to restrict, you know, you from selling on Amazon. Um, I mean, this actually happens, uh, for wholesalers and private labelers, uh, private labelers, especially if you have a, w- a winning product. Um, there's a lot of ways that they can, uh, uh, attack you for example i know um uh i've got a a friend actually amazon 8 figure seller on instagram he uh has a, some products where uh, someone was able to really uh, i don't know there was no other other explanation other than hack into their listing and put um, like pesticide and cures cancer put like words in their enhanced brand content and this is when his company has brand registry and someone else came in and just like threw keywords that they knew were going to get the listing taken down and so um there is this is kind of a battlefield and you can't ignore it um there actually are some ways where you could use this in a defensive like you should be using this um as part of your strategy for channel governance there are a lot of uh you know if you have a patent and people come in and and um, and copy you you know you have you have some things that you can do and you could be launching these missiles instead of receiving them um, but uh, I will just we'll speak to uh, this document and um, we will happily throw it on but um, you start off Megan saying to take action and complaints quickly what do you what do you think is a good time frame
1: um, I've Try to within a couple of days if I'm not able to. Like I always try to, worst case scenario, within the week. Um, that just gives you the opportunity to reach out to the RO and or the rights owner and um, and even Amazon to just say, like, this is something that we are taking seriously. We are working on this. It's not just sitting on our account health page for, um, you know, Amazon to come along and say, you're, you're suspended for this.
0: Yeah. Um, I was actually on a phone call once I think, uh, you know, they gave it, they were giving us a notice saying that our account would be suspended within 24 hours. You need to reply to, you need to send us a plan of action. And I, I ended up talking to her a little bit longer and asking her some questions. And one thing that she said to me was that, um, our disposition as, you know, uh, as a seller, she took note of it. She noted that, like, you know, I was, like, receptive and taking it seriously and, like, asking questions. And, um, and with that in mind, like, even if maybe no resolution has been re- uh, gotten to, if um, you respond and you are um, interacting with the case, they do pay attention to that. I think that might have been the main reason why we got suspended two and a half years ago. Um, was that at the time we weren't doing a lot. This is actually before, uh, the role that Megan does that uh, we had, and we would get these rights owner violations and we didn't know how serious things were. We would, um, I think we would do a, a we would sort of look into it, but we didn't go the full extent to, um, get, uh, get cleared of this, um, and I don't know if we're always a good benchmark for everyone out there because our account health page is the most colorful thing you'll see. Pretty much a, any any uh, any violation we've done it. Um, we've just had so many listings created that um, any anything that could be wrong um, has been. I found out that we had a product that uh, we were selling great, and then someone put in something about how it it's uh, effective for fighting off Zika, the Zika virus. And that got that product shut down. But then, like, a few weeks later, I got back up. And we were able to continue selling that inventory. So um, it's a very dynamic um, thing. And with a huge catalog, we have a lot of risk. Um, So um, now, these IP complaints, they're the main thing that we are, that we live with and we talk about is things that really affect the account health. And those come to you, uh, via performance notifications and, you know, a little red checkbox and it'll come with an email. And, uh, it, it is helpful to read throughout the entire email that sometimes there's like wording that can, uh, can change what they're looking for. And they do, uh, they do change what they word over time. This is not, the the, uh, the emails that they're sending today are not what they sent a year or even two years ago. Um, and, but Megan, you make a comment about IP complaints may not always be about IP. Can you expand on that?
1: Yeah. So um, at first I'd like to start this off by saying this is why, this is probably my biggest reason uh, to advocate for, try to contact the, our rights owner uh, as soon as possible. A lot of the time, the rights owner information is even given in the email that uh, Amazon will send to you about this com- or this received uh, intellectual property complaint. Um, but a lot of the times, it's that we're just not an authorized seller. And so, you know, this is just this... It's a tool that Amazon has created that they can get us off quick and fast, and they don't have to try and contact us first. They can just work through Amazon, uh, whether it's a legitimate uh, IP complaint or not. Um, but it could... That, that's probably the biggest one is we're on an unauthorized seller or that we're selling below map, um, which is the minimum advertised price. So, you know, a lot of sellers or brands have uh, these agreements that, you know, you can't sell below this price and, uh, and so sometimes to, we'll break. And
0: so to enforce that, they will claim copyright. Mm-hmm. And do we have any um, defense to that? where if they, all they want is, uh, uh, to govern their, uh, their sellers and they're like, well, we're going to govern it by creating complaints about copyright when maybe copyright is actually not being infringed.
1: Um, yeah, so there's, it's a little harder to defend that with Amazon because Amazon always tries to side with, or they tend to side with the brand owner most of the time. Um, that if they're filing a complaint, then they legitimately have a reason to file what the complaint was. Um, But those sellers, if they're filing it because it's breaking MAP or we're unauthorized, I found that they're the ones that are more likely to respond and they're willing to work it out with us. They're willing. They say, oh, well, we saw you were below MAP, so we filed the complaint with Amazon. And that's how it comes through. Um, So really con- and like it's and that those are easy resolutions cuz we're able to say okay we'll fix our map price or right. can we become an authorized seller uh and if they still won't let us become an authorized seller then we reach an agreement that okay we'll remove our listing or our product uh if you will retract your complaint and you know i'd say 95% of the time they do
0: so what happens when you, they don't even respond you can't get a hold of them
1: if they don't respond, that's when you kind of ha- you have to start working with Amazon and really focusing on your appeal. Um, in that. So if you never get a response from the rights owner, it can be hard to know that, oh, it is because of a MAP or an unauthorized. So that's when you, invoices are everything. Um, you need to provide that invoice that, you know, um, says you that this product is, uh, it's authentic. It's not a counterfeit product. You're not just trying to you know, get away with something sneaky that, you know, you are selling real product. And right. And
0: there's a few things on an invoice that they're looking for. What do you think is like the, the, the things that they're looking for most?
1: Uh, so they need to be able to uh, connect whatever product that the complaint was on to the invoice. So usually they, having the UPC on the invoice is gonna, going to be your, your highest uh, chance of success. Uh, If a UPC is not there and it's just like a product ID, uh, it helps, you know, highlight, you know, you should always highlight the product in question on the invoice, anyways. Okay. Um, But sometimes it's helpful to even, you know, write the ASIN in next to that product line. Say, you know, this is product ID 512, and it's associated with this ASIN.
0: No, that makes sense because, like, they are looking at these all day long. And if you can do their job for them by highlighting and, and pointing out what they need to be looking at, uh, that's helpful. It looks like here you have written, you know, that there's a name and address match to the seller. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, we've had, uh, you know, these accounts set up under a different name, and so we we have a, an attached uh, DBA that with a with some official letterhead. Um, and now it looks like you have here we have the supplier's information on the invoice and uh, the billing info. Images only and no PDFs.
1: Yeah, so that's even something that's included on the notice from Amazon is that they will only accept file attachments in certain extension formats. And, uh, you know, PDF is the one that you're most likely to try and use. I I know it's what I would most likely use. Um, but they don't accept PDF. And so, you know, I do all my work and then I, I take a screenshot of it and save it as an image.
0: Okay, so invoices are mainly, we, we may have jumped around a little bit, but they're uh, for product authenticity. Um, that's if we, an increasingly common complaint is about product authenticity and those, that's where invoices are your entire defense. Um, now, What's the difference between that and, say, a trademark or counterfeit complaint?
1: Um, So product authenticity and counterfeit are the best that go hand in hand with each other. Um, Because if you're selling authentic product and you're advertising it as the correct product, then you're not selling a counterfeit product. Okay. Um, But trademark, um, I mean, that can be as well, like, if you're claiming that it's a certain brand uh, or that it's compatible with a certain brand or something, Uh, You have to be able to, I mean, the compatibility, you can't really prove with an invoice, but if it's, you know, most invoices will provide like evidence that they'll, they'll have the brand name or something. And usually you can find, trace that brand name back to the trademark.
0: So are you referencing that if a product page says this is compatible with this brand name product, a different brand that um, you're using uh, an invoice to prove that claim or that, that that claim is under trademark to a degree because any any brand um, out there uh, can be trademarked.
1: Yes. Um, so the invoice isn't proving the compatibility. The invoice or uh, you can use other people's trademarks if your wording is correct. Um, and Amazon even specifies this in one of their help pages uh, talking about a trademark trademark. Um, intellectual property um that you can if you use the specific wording that it's compatible with and then such and such trademark you're okay you're not violating that person's trademark and if that if that brand tries to file that trademark you can prove it to amazon that you say it's compatible with we're not saying we're selling that brand okay uh and you know Amazon will side with you then. I've, I've had several of those where awesome. I just had to provide I evidence. actually never
0: even knew that we had that issue. That's new to me. Um, now, moving on, what about patent complaint? Say you get a, a complaint that says, like, you're infringing on this person's patent.
1: So patents have been a little more difficult, and I really don't see those very often. Um,
0: but for some people, you know, it could mean, the like, their entire business could be on one ASIN. Right. and they get a patent complaint come in, it means their business.
1: Right. And so, I mean, a lot of these times you just have to – I mean, if you have a patent for your own product, that's probably the best case scenario. For Be defense. Able, for yeah. defense, yeah. Um, provide it in your that in your appeal to Amazon. And it's even better if you can take your patent um, or the patent for the product you're selling and compare it to the patent that uh, – Amazon says you're infringing, they'll give you the patent number um, and they you can look it up. And if you can point out the distinct differences, if you can take pictures of your product and show that it, like if you can provide all the evidence that it physically is different or not in violation, um, you, you will have success with
0: that. Interesting. No, that's, that's actually uh, 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 pretty good to know. Um, now, we're going to circle back a little bit and dive into a copyright complaint. Is this our most common one?
1: Um, no, I'd say trademark and counterfeit would okay. be our most.
0: Well, um, so now copyright is if you're using text or images that someone else created and has copyright on it. Mm-hmm. And so they come in and they just claim copyright. Amazon doesn't actually, uh, uh, let's see, Amazon does not um, prove They don't make the brand owners prove whether they have that copyright. Right. And so they could just like fire away.
1: Yeah. Um, No copyright. I mean, they could just include a short description of, you know, they're using our image and that's all. What if I, what if
0: I go on an Amazon basics product and say, Hey, this is my image. I took this picture. I'm claiming copyright. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. So then you, um, here we have, uh, on a copyright complaint, we can appeal with the reasons why we are not infringing, mm-hmm. and we can file a counter notice under the DMCA. We don't need to appeal any information, and um, and uh, these counter claims are um, they're interesting. That like so, there's an alias counter notice counter notice at amazon.com, and if you make a counter claim, it it actually clears uh, this complaint. For you on Amazon, Amazon like will like actually go, they'll take a back seat. They're like, we're out of this. Mm-hmm. And in a way that clears you up, but it now makes you uh, liable for a lawsuit. Yeah. And if it is copyright, um, then the brand owner is to sue you. That's the next move. They have 10 days to sue you.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, have we ever been sued on this?
1: No.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> we
1: never have.
0: Uh- uh, we actually got sued on a trademark. Oh. I'm going to go out in there and say um, this um, may be legal advice, but if you, any of your listings have the words stash it, <laughs> um, it like like together, stash dash it or stash it, well, someone f- trademarked that term, and they sued uh, five Amazon sellers and about 90 eBay sellers. Oh, wow. And they did a great job of getting Amazon to pay attention to this lawsuit and they were holding our funds for about two weeks and that really uh, put us in a bind and we settled as fast as we could um, even though we were an innocent infringer and um, we were actually just a go-between. We didn't create this product and we, it, we listed it as was written by the supplier um, but we were kind of caught in between so, um, I wouldn't say that there's a zero percent chance of you getting sued, but it's pretty close to zero. Not a lot of people like are ready with lawyers in hands um, to go to bat uh, because oftentimes, like they could be co- creating a, a complaint, but they actually have ulterior motives. And if you get to those motives faster, like that's that's why Megan, we've always advocated just to like you know, uh, be nice get in contact with them, call them on the phone, um, and see if you could come to an agreement. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the fastest way. Yep. Um, have you called a lot of these brand owners on the phone?
1: Um, most prefer uh, email. Um, of course else. they I'll do. Cause, cause, it's, cause, <laughs> cause, Cause it's
0: easy. They get to, uh, it's easier to be rude mm-hmm. over an email. Yes.
1: Um, I'd say I leave a lot of voicemails. Do I okay. get a lot of returned calls? No. Um,
0: but, but when you have got a few on the phone, what does that end up like? They've
1: been very successful that, you know, they're re- they've they retracted the complaint and we are able to continue selling. It, yeah, it was just a misunderstanding. Right.
0: And, um, you know, getting someone on the phone, like it's kind of like how, you know, uh, on the internet uh, you can see, you know, there's a lot of divisiveness out there mm-hmm. and it's really easy to leave that divisiveness in text because... You can say absolutes. You'd be like, mm-hmm. if you are, you're not on my team. You're on their team. And that's kind of the same with like, um, I guess in legal, uh, where there's legal consequences. Um, you know, it's really easy to send a fiery off, e- uh, fiery email where you're like, I am owed all these rights, this and this and this and this. But you get someone on the phone, and it actually appeals to their more human side because in conversate, in, in conversing with people, we always want to meet in the middle. Mm-hmm. I would say 90% of people are like that, that like you, um, just when you talk with them, like you see, you know, where they're coming from, mm-hmm. they see where you're coming from and just the sound of someone's voice, uh, brings a really human element to it. Mm-hmm. So I've always, um, uh, even for, uh, the other employees that we've had that, uh, have done what Megan is doing, just like, just get people on the phone and you can get to a fast resolutions. You can, um, now, again, you know sometimes people advise against that because, uh, of, you know, there are, some of these can end up as lawsuits. So again, uh, take my advice as um, just advice alone, and in the context of some things, because uh, you may actually be infringing on certain things, specifically uh, patents, and you may not have a lot of recourse. And so, if say they recorded you on the phone. And they uh, had you, you know, admitting guilt like that can hold up against you. So I, I have to give those caveats, but um, we deal with this all the time, every day, and so we're just always going for the fastest resolution because um, our business is bigger than one product. Um. So let's see. Now moving on, we got two more. Uh, on, on our document, which hopefully as we post it on the show notes, hopefully it's a living and breathing document where it can be kind of a reference uh, for you guys and that um, maybe we'll even include some uh, POA verbiage that we have used successfully and um, POA standing for plan of action. And so now tell me, Megan, I hear, I hear a complaint for a product never purchased or sold. So a lot of times we get complaints on something that we have never even sold. We had a listing created. Mm -hmm. So what do we do in those situations?
1: Um, So these ones, uh, you, I mean, you can contact the rights owner. I mean, I always advise to contact the rights owner. Um, But when it's something like if you're saying we've never sold the product, but you are kind of admitting that you did have a listing created, they're not as willing to work with you because, I mean, there you are kind of admitting the problem. Um, was that you created a listing for something you weren't ever going to sell. But I have had success appealing this with Amazon. And usually, first thing, delete the listing. Completely remove it from your inventory if it is in your inventory. Um, And then I like to take screenshots of, I will pull up our Manage Orders page on our Seller Central and search for that specific ASIN. And you... This took some trial and error, but I've found if I start searching from January first, nineteen ninety nine, to a couple days in advance of when you're actually submitting the appeal, um, that helps. It'll. I mean, if you really have never sold the product, it'll say zero uh, listings or zero because orders. Because they found. don't.
0: They don't always take our word for it. We, right. when we when we say, "Oh, we've never sold the product," they're not verifying that complaint yeah, uh, that, that, they, that 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 claim.
1: They they want they want that proof. They need that evidence in front of them, and then if there's sometimes they'll they might do a little further investigating on their own. But you have to start that. You got to give them something to start with. Um, so yeah, always search from January 1st, 1999 to date or a couple days in advance, um, and take a screenshot of that. And then also uh, take a screenshot of your manage inventory and your manage FBA inventory pages, uh, searching for that ASIN. Um, to just to show that that lease listing has been deleted or it's not, like it does not exist in your inventory, and provide those in your appeal. Um, I like to include a statement that we're not trying to reinstate this ASIN. We're just trying to remove the complaint. Um, and once I started putting that sentence in there, I did start seeing a little more success, mm-hmm. uh, oddly enough. Um, and then this uh, this uh, reinstatement comes. But the email from Amazon comes a little bit differently. Um, they just they will send something like saying they appreciate our efforts in complying and that they've updated our account. So what this means is it's not necessarily removing it from our account health page because they're still tracking it um, through the account health page, but it's not a it's not hurting us anymore. Um, it's saying we've we've taken care of this, we've proven that we've never sold it, and sometimes they have removed it. It's I mean Amazon's a little. It's, sometimes it's hard to pinpoint why they do some things and why they don't. Um, but that, that's been my general uh, involvement or interaction with uh-huh. these complaints.
0: Awesome. Okay. Now, what if we received a reinstatement email from Amazon or the ASIN is active and selling, but the complaint is still on the account health page?
1: Uh, so that kind of goes hand in hand with, the, uh, you know, we appreciate your efforts to comply email and that they've updated the account. Um, so if your ASIN is active and it's selling you're golden, um, that means that, you know, ultimately you're, you're having, you're getting what you want. You're making, you're making the cells, um, or at least you have the opportunity right. to, um, but I, I' at first when I started noticing this that you know things were active but they were still on the account health page I did I did uh, send some appeals or just you know kind of try to open that conversation with Amazon of why why is this on here like we received the reinstatement email or it is active and selling but it's still on here um, and they they just respond saying uh, you know that they appreciate the efforts to comply um, and that those, uh, complaints will remove, will fall off the account health page within 180 days. Um, and that, you know, I've even had a few seller support agents where they, uh, they assure me that this will not hurt you. This is not, this is not affecting your account that you, you have done everything you needed to do. It's, it's solely there for tracking reasons.
0: All right. Yeah. Um, so have you noticed any changes in the last six months? Yes. (laughs) Okay. uh, For the better, for the worse, what kind of things
1: do you notice? Um, For the better. I mean, overall I have started to find, and I think a lot of this comes with Amazon has noted our disposition and being willing to work with them and take things seriously. Um, But I get much, much better successes and that also comes with experience too. But I mean, Amazon is continually updating their notices. They're updating their responses I mean, it's easy to get caught up in, oh, I get the same canned response every single time. But if you take the minute to, you know, kind of read through them, you will notice one or two sentences here. If they don't accept your appeal, they are starting to be a little more open about saying like, well, we need your invoice or we were having a problem where um, we were purchasing under a different DBA on our invoices than what our seller account name is. And so they weren't accepting our invoices. Well, all I had to do was just provide a document saying that these are just different uh, DBAs of the same company, and Interesting. we were fine. Yeah. Like, so they 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 are being more specific. You just have to just with anything, you have to be patient and understand they're still human too.
0: Right. Um, organizationally, it sounds like you know you have you you kind of need all these files. Some of your uh, you know like say this DBA file just like stowed away. And, and even some of the, our more common, um, uh, messages that we like write, Mm -hmm. we just keep, we just keep that in a folder. Yep. And so we can, uh, so we can accomplish this task a lot. I would actually be fine. And I've told Megan, like, you know, if if this takes your entire day to like keep our account in the clear, like spend the entire day, this is priority number one. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm actually happy, also happy that it only takes three to four hours. Um, hopefully in the future that it takes less, but, um, what's so, I mean, most people listening to this, this is not, uh, gonna me be the best podcast, uh, because it's just so, uh, transparent about how, you know, selling on Amazon and e-commerce, almost takes a little bit of a of legal skill. Um, Megan is speaking with lawyers on the daily and, uh, to some degree, she's doing a lot of legal interpretation. And, you know, we do have a lawyer that I have told Megan, like that we can like use at any moment if it's going to, to help us out. So I think that you don't always need a lawyer to navigate these waters and that if you, um, put some effort and like, you really have to like use your mind. She's already shown me some creativity that we didn't have, uh, some months ago. Uh, you can put your account in a better spot. Um, I know a lot of sellers take this super seriously. I see, I get a lot of, um, Instagram messages. Someone gets like one, uh, complaint and they're like, it's ruining their week. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone talked to me that they had a great Christmas, but then they got one, you know, uh, policy violation notice. And all of a sudden like, it's like, it's like it like ruined their December. So people are out there taking it seriously. And the best thing you can do is learn the skills to get on top of it because that's how I sleep better now. You know, there were some times where I thought we could get shut down at any moment. And that has kind of shrunk a little bit over time as we have gotten better at this and actually just put a lot more resources into it. Megan being that primary resource. Um Now, um, this may only apply to a few people, but we use, we're part of the marketplace growth program, which is a paid for service that gets you an an Amazon account manager and it comes with an escalations queue. Um, do you think we could survive without that escalations queue?
1: Uh, I would say right now we're doing really well. So (laughs) I would say yes, but there are times where you know, it is a nice fallback to have, uh, to escalate these cases. But I think a big part of finding the successes of what works now is through the escalation program. Um, that's where a lot of the trial and error came from and they were able to provide a little more feedback. And so, you know, my initial canned templates for, you know, appeals has gotten a lot better because of the escalations program. But, um, I, I wouldn't, I don't know. It, it has some good things and it has the downfall where it's like, we're not using it all the time though.
0: Right. It's, it's, it's our insurance clause of like, right. we just kind of need it. Um, I want to get us off of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And uh, right now I think we'd be fine. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. But then, and then you get shut down and then you're, uh, something happens. And then you're, le- you're in the dark. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, um, that wraps this up. I have uh, actually no, there's one, maybe two little nuggets that I wrote down that I wanted to, to run by. So um, now Megan has used this group, I've used this group, there is a group online and that focuses a lot on compliance issues. Um, tell us a little bit more about that group, Megan.
1: Yeah, um, so it's Ed Rosenberg, um, I believe is his name, that he he kind of runs this group. I I follow it primarily on Facebook, but there's, I mean, I've also signed up where I receive his weekly email updates. Um, but uh, following this page, I mean, they help uh, point out the differences like of Amazon notices or Amazon changes. Uh, there's been several times where. Uh, Amazon's changed the wording in one of their notices, uh, not just um, not just specifically IP complaints, but for any Amazon notice, and you know, improving for the better. Or um, when something ha- Amazon has something going on that is not going great for sellers, or like a lot of sellers are having problems with it. This group has been a great resource to be able to, you know, yep. find ways, like post a question, get help from other sellers. Maybe they've been through the same situation and see what helped them get reinstated. And um, there's, I, it's just amazing at how many people kind of step up and come together and say, hey, message me, I will help you create your POA.
0: Yeah, I uh, I follow him on LinkedIn and and mm-hmm. I can't afford to not read what Ed Rosenberg writes because he's showing Amazon's changes and I have to, uh, digest it and understand how it's going to affect us. So, uh, here there's a free, uh, promotion for what an amazing resource that he's created and a service that he's done for a lot of people. Um, so as I've actually been very public with how bad I am at ending podcasts, if, um, anyone out there, has uh suggestions on how I could end the podcast with little pizzazz and kind of just like the you know uh, a good ending It just has like a natural flow like you feel the resolution um I am open for all advice here and so we can you know start off with a bad joke and end off with a bad joke that's that's how I want to roll <laughs> that was my um suggestion. a
1: knock knock joke yeah 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 <laughs>
0: um so But if there's one thing that, you know, in the last week, I've seen three people online without me even asking them to, they have promoted the podcast, whether it's in a a Reddit post or um, someone on Instagram this morning did it. Um, That's the most flattering thing you can do. Uh, to me it's just to, to share it. And so if you ever get a chance to, you know, uh, drop, just, just name drop me, like we're best friends and talk about what you um, have liked. And, and that's how you can uh, give back to me. Cause I hope I'm giving you something worthwhile. Now that's all I've got for today. Look forward to talking to you guys more in the future. All right. See ya.
1: One, two, three.
0: This episode has been produced by LaunchPod Media.